Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Here's your host, founder of America's largest business coaching company, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you and happy Christmas and happy holidays. Got a short little message for you today. More of a gift of encouragement during the holiday season than anything else. I certainly hope you get to spend some time with some loved ones, share some good food, some good times, and maybe even exchange some gifts. That's what this episode is about. It's the gift of giving. And it is a gift. And gift, uh, by definition, is something given willingly to another without payment. So something we do willingly. This is the season for a lot of gift giving. And it's easy to get caught up in the merchandise and the sales. And we know that commercialization of the holidays and all that stuff. And we all complain about it, but then we participate in it. But I think the real thing is, is what is the spirit of it all? You know, in the Christian celebration of Christmas, people recreate the birth of Christ with what's called a nativity scene, right? And these have been around for a long, long time. I have a beautiful one at home that I actually got in Bethlehem. I was in Israel and I was doing a speaking tour and uh, it was there for eight days and it was a three-day negotiation. I'd pop in on this little store outside of uh, Bethlehem, and I would go in and have a a little negotiation, little negotiation. I ended up getting this beautiful hand-carved olive wood nativity scene, which I've had for 20 years now, and I take it out every year. And and I've gone back to Israel twice since to do a bit of speaking, and uh, I always go back and visit those fellas. In fact, my mom, I got her a Celtic cross, and they made one for me. It was a, made out of olive wood. I grew up on a street called Olive Mount. And when my mom moved to the care home, there was very few things they could take. They took their clothes and she took pictures of family and she took that Celtic cross from Bethlehem with that olive wood. And so these nativity scenes that are, many of us have and sometimes outside churches or outside civic centers and whatever else, there's typically a set of figurines in a barnyard scene, right? And there's Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus surrounded by cattle and donkeys and little lambs and all kinds of stuff. And then there's always uh, the shepherds are there. And then we have the three wise men, mysterious characters indeed. They came from the east, right? We know that. We know they came and visited Herod the king. So they were prominent people because, you know, the king typically isn't hosting people like you and me. The king is hosting people who are of certain significance. And these were considered whether they were royalty, they were definitely leaders in their own countries. Some argued they might have been a priest or two in there. And they came from the East and they brought gifts. They brought gifts, uh, the first Christmas gifts. They brought three different types of gifts. They brought gold and the frankincense and the mirror. You know, gold by nature was customary for royal visits, for sure. As it is today, gold was a very valued commodity in the ancient world. And in bringing this gift, there was not only the symbolic nature of the gift, but there was also an economic inheritance being passed on. Think about it. 2,000 years ago, most carpenters would never see gold their whole life. So this was not just a symbolic gift given to royalty, but this was also a very practical gift. In fact, the very first Christmas gift was economic well-being. And I think that's an important thing. And that's why I always speak to these subjects. And I hope to speak on more of that in the new year. And it's certainly a gift I would love to give all of you and a gift that is uh, a gift that can keep on giving to the next generation. 
So that first gift was not just a, a symbol of royalty, but it was also a blessing of economic well-being. And like I said, uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus ended up leaving Egypt and going back to Bethlehem. And uh, that's where they started their foundation as a family. And they would have started with a nice economic uh, base. The next gift was frankincense. And this is known as the king of essential oils. You know, essential oils today are uh, sold by stores and body shops. And we always associate Millennials love essential oils and yoga pants, right? That's the two criteria. Well, this is the king of essential oils. It also had a spiritual significance as it was born as an act of worship in in a temple or a synagogue. However, the practical daily use of frankincense was to bring beauty and rejuvenation, peace and overall health. So the second gift of Christmas was beauty and well-being. Myrrh was the third gift, and like frankincense, it had a spiritual significance. It was a uh, often used to anoint the head of a priest. However, its practical daily usage, it worked as an antiseptic. It was an ancient antibacterial, believe it or not. The first gifts uh, ever recorded were economic well-being, peace and beauty, and the gift of health. That's the symbolism, in addition to the spiritual significance of those three gifts. And so those are three things I think we'd all like, right? Economic well-being, peace and beauty, and the, and the gift of health. And so with that today, I, I want to talk about this whole dynamic of gift, something that's given willingly to another. And so we're going to talk about the gift of giving. We're going to talk about giving of yourself and giving of your gifts. And even though this is a shorter episode today, I still have three points for you. So let's talk about it. Um, the joy of giving. For me personally, Other than marrying my wife and seeing my children and grandchildren being born, uh, nothing in my life brings me more joy than giving. Throughout my career, you know, doing events, I always love to surprise the audience with the the gift of a book, or I would do certain performances that would surprise people. We had our Mastermind Summit, which uh, you talk about a great gift. I I certainly hope you folks are going to join me in San Diego this August just for two days of the greatest personal growth seminar you've ever been to. And we've done this for 24 years, but I've done different routines. I've come out with my good friend Joe Nego, and we we reprised the Blues Brothers, and we had a band, and we sang the songs and did the dance routines. Uh, I did the river dance with Beverly and my two oldest kids, and we had an actual cast of river dance dancers behind, and we did a whole Irish performance. It took eight months to learn how to Irish dance. The other three did very well. I looked like I was stomping cockroaches, but... People loved it, and it was all in. And so there's been lots of things like that I've done over myself. And giving is a beautiful thing. I mean, for me, I look for reasons to give. It. I, an overly generous tip for good service. And to generally be a blessing every single day, you know. And that is something that brings me joy. I've made it a lifestyle and a daily routine. Now, like all gifts, like all beautiful things, we live in a world today that's just every gift has a curse. So there is, there's warning labels to gift. There's a reason why it's not always a joy. There's a reason why it can be sometimes salty or difficult. Sometimes giving can create improper expectations. Sometimes people will presume on your generosity. And sometimes it can even create dependency. In his book, Toxic Charity by Robert Lupton, he talks about the five steps to dependency. He says, if you give something to somebody once, they appreciate it. If you give the same thing to that person again, they'll anticipate that you're going to do it a third time. And if you do it a third time, they're going to have the expectation that you'll do it a fourth. And if you do it a fourth, 
then they feel entitled to it, and a fifth time they're dependent on you for it. And if you give with the expectation of receiving in return, you can often be disappointed. And I'd say even in receiving thanks in today's culture, I would say, and this is not a get off my lawn moment, you know, I really, really, the number one thing I believe I give every day is give people thanks. I like to appreciate people. I like to thank them. You know, I'm not an easy guy to work for. I'm very demanding. I'm very driven. I have big schedule. I push people. But I also appreciate people at every hand's turn for the job well done and when they do well. And I like to reward people and thank them and encourage them. But I'll also tell you that sometimes when you're giving, you can be disappointed because you'll give and someone, you know, please and thank you is just a rarer thing nowadays. And that's why when you do it, it stands out so much more. And that's why, you know, it's not like, oh, why can't everybody else do it? Is that for me in my house, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it regardless of the response. I'm going to give regardless of the response. I'm going to give joyfully because I'm doing it willingly. If you do it from a selfless perspective, because the joy is in the giving itself, the goal is to be a blessing to others. And you just are at peace with that. Then it's amazing what does happen. And I'll I'll share some of the upside here in a minute. But just to be aware, right? It's not all happiness. Joy is different than that. Winston Churchill says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Nothing gives me more joy than giving. But with it, just to be aware, we have to have proper expectations. The second part about the gift of giving is there's disciplines to it, believe it or not. For me, I make in some cases giving a routine so I can do more of it habitually. I receive thousands of pieces of correspondence every month. And especially when I receive a letter from one of our coaching members or or sometimes their kids or someone who's brought their family to mastermind, and I'll recognize a need in their letter or note, I'll often send back a personal note and a book or a resource of some kind. In fact, my assistant Jeanette down the hall here at the podcast building, she has a bookshelf, a complete bookshelf in her office, entirely dedicated to books that are to be given away. People sometimes take a tour of our campus here, and when they come to Jeanette's office, they'll see six copies of this book and five copies of that book and four copies of this book. And they're always kind of perplexed. Well, it's it's not for me and I need four copies of the same book. It's this is for giving away. I've created a routine around it so I can do a larger volume of it. Just because it's routinized doesn't mean it's no longer from the heart. It's These are already pre-thought through sentiments. I have people who have someone pass away and I have books regarding loss. I have someone who sends me their kids and there's a hopeful thing and it might be Dr. Seuss is all the places you'll go, or someone who's beginning personal growth journey and they're just getting going, I might give them the greatest salesman in the world, or someone's dealing with financial stuff, I might give them a richest man in Babylon or Dave Ramsey's total money makeover, depending on the circumstance. So whether it's life, death, finances, goals, whatever it is, relationships, all the different dynamics, as best I can and as I see fit, And again, if I get 3,000 pieces of mail in a month, I'm not giving out 3,000 books. It's as I feel led and whatnot. But I I have a little routine for it, so it's a a discipline. And so I have a discipline. When I go to a restaurant, I I know what I'm going to do. If the service is great, I'm really going to bless somebody. But if the service is average, I'll still tip somebody. But I I really want to bless those that, that do a good job, okay? The next thing is in the gift of giving is the good of giving. Giving makes us feel happy. You know, in a 2008 study by Harvard Business, they noted that giving money to someone else lifted participants' happiness more than spending it on themselves. Giving is good for our health, is another thing that was found. 
1999 study by the University of California found that elderly people who volunteered for two or more organizations were 44% less likely to die in a five-year period. Giving promotes cooperation and social connection. And when you give, you're more likely to get back, which, again, you don't give with the expectation of giving back. But, you know, sociologists uh, Brent Simpson and Rob Willer, they discovered that generosity will likely be rewarded by others down the line, sometimes by the person you give to and sometimes by others. Another great byproduct of giving is giving produces gratitude. Now, I mentioned not to have the expectation of gratitude. However, Barbara Fredrickson in her book Positivity shows that when you express gratitude in words or actions, you not only boost your own positivity, but other people's as well. Doris Day said the best things to do with the best things in life is to give them away. Maybe that's why she had such a sunny personality. Fact of the matter is, there is the gift of giving itself. You know, 2,000 years ago, we started out with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Today, we have the joy of giving, the disciplines of giving, and just the good of giving. The most important thing to give is, is to give of yourself. You know, I've always found that the greatest gifts I've given anybody are the ones that took a bit of time, took a bit of intentionality, a bit of thoughtfulness, something that took sometimes a little bit out of me. Whether, like I say, a dance routine for my clients or something like that. When I told my kids stories that I made up, sometimes I'd been traveling and I'd get in late at night and the kids were all waiting for stories and I had six of them. So I'd have to tell different stories. I'd take them in groups of two. And um, when I read them stories, they appreciated it. But when I made up stories, and it was interesting, we had a barbecue at the house here recently. And the kids were all, they had their loved ones and boyfriends and spouses and everybody's around. And they all got into telling dad's stories. And it was interesting that, of course, they're, you know, they all love to take the mickey out of their dad at this stage of the game. But they were all making up the stories. And then as they got older, they saw where some of the source codes of those stories came from. But it was interesting. They never were talking about stories I read to them. It was all the stories that I made up. You know, CNN Business reported earlier this year that Americans have uh, collective $21 billion in unused gift cards. Now, I don't want to bum anybody out who's bought someone a gift card for the holidays. But uh, the fact of the matter is, a gift card is a gift of convenience. I don't really know what to get you. I don't really know you well enough and or I didn't have enough time. And it's okay. And sometimes our relationships like that, by the way, and that's just fine. But it's the meaningful stuff that really counts. When our kids were growing up, you know, we homeschooled our kids and there was lots of different resources we used. But one of them it was a radio program called Focus on the Family, which I don't know, 80 million people used to listen to a week. And they had a, a kids program inside that called Adventures in Odyssey. And I just loved this. I mean, the, it was for the kids, but I used to sit in the edge of my seat. It was really well told and narrated. And they told a story, and it was the story of Madge and Guy. It was kind of tongue-in-cheek to the, the Magi, right? The three wise men were called the Magi. And this is the story of Madge and Guy. And it was set in the 1920s. Madge and Guy, during the, the Great Depression, they're living in New York and they don't really have much money and much going on. Madge has this gorgeous long hair and uh, she's a beautiful woman. And her husband, Guy, uh, his father died when he was a kid and the only thing he left him was his, his watch. And you remember those old pocket watches that used to be on a chain? So he had the pocket watch, but he didn't have a chain. And so the story is they really want to do something for one another, but they don't have any money. So they both go off one day and they come back, and it's Christmas Eve, and they exchange gifts. Guy basically takes out this box, 
and he gives it to his wife and Madge opens it up and it's the most beautiful set of ebony hairbrushes for her beautiful hair. So these are these gorgeous handcrafted hairbrushes and she's like, the most beautiful things I ever saw. And she goes, where did you get the money for this? Well, he sold his watch to buy the brushes for her. Now she's sitting there and she's all crying and thankful for the gift and she's wearing a headscarf. And she gives her gift to Guy. And his gift, he opens it up. And it's this beautiful gold, 24-karat gold chain for the watch that he had his whole life. And as she then removes her scarf and she's cut her hair. And she sold her hair to buy him the chain. And we used to sit around and, and tell this story to the kids and listen to Adventures to Odyssey. And I always remembered it. I mean, this is years ago I heard this one, Imagine Guy. She gave up her hair to buy him a watch chain and he gave up his watch to buy her brushes for her hair. And that, it's, you know, it's not always the size of the gift that matters, but the size of the heart that gives it, you know? And that's really what giving is all about. It's not about, oh, I got a, I got a brand new car for Christmas. Albert Einstein says, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Maya Angelou said, I found that among its other benefits, giving liberates the soul of the giver. And that's what this season's about. Lastly, I want to talk about giving of your gifts. And this is really not just for this holiday season. You have family together and we know how politics play a role and people dread family gatherings now because people have different political beliefs and all that type of stuff. Maybe you can use your gifts this year to bring more peace and joy to your family. And you know what I've decided with my family gatherings or people I'm around that have different beliefs than me or whatever else, I'm not going to convince anybody of anything. Nobody convinces anybody of anything anymore. And if someone needs to get stuff off their chest, then the gift I'm going to give them is just let them get it off their chest. I don't have to respond. I don't even comment. I just let them get it off their chest. It doesn't change what I believe, and it doesn't really sour the day. I'm going to just bring that gift, and that gift at that time be a listening ear. But we all have deeper gifts. Pablo Picasso said, the meaning of life is to find your gift, and the purpose of life is to give it away. So what's your gift, right? What is your gift or your gifts? We've obviously spent a lot of time at Buffini Company and on this podcast, and it's a good life. We spent some time with Rachel Yeaman talking about real strengths. One of the reasons this has been such a huge commitment to us over the past 27 years is the real strengths profile helps us understand what people's gifts are, and then we coach them to get the most out of their gifts. And we also then teach them how to withhold their gifts so they don't get themselves into trouble. And I really, the gift I want to give all of you today, if you've never done it, go on to itsagoodlife.com and just scroll down to the bottom of the homepage. And there's, we worked on this for years and spent a fortune on this. It's a great introduction to the profile. It's not as deep as the Real Strengths profile as we use for coaching, obviously. But it gives you a great starter, maybe on how you communicate and how you see things and how the people around you might. So take that little Real Strengths assessment as, a, as our gift to you and, uh, you know, find out what the beginning of your gifts are so you know what to give away. Find in your gifts. It's a powerful thing. So you find what's your gift and then you want to give those gifts away, okay? The next thing is what difference can you make? What difference can you make? We, we have gifts to make a difference in other people's lives. So Kathy Calvin, president of the United Nations Foundation said, giving is not just about making a donation. It's about making a difference. And that's one of the things that's so big. Like, I'm asked for money hundreds of times a year, hundreds of times. 
some people are very clumsy in how they go about asking for money. What I would say to you is that most people, when they come in contact with me, probably in contact with you, they miss what they could get. I mean, I can write somebody a check, but if I actually give somebody my attention, my insight, coach them up a little bit, my goodness, you know, it's like uh, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, and teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. I mean, I can certainly help people learn how to fish. That's what I do for a living. That's why I have a coaching company. And our average client, you know, is making 12 times out of their competitors on average. So there's a reason for that. But it's interesting. People don't sometimes see that because they've just got what's in front of them. But so for me, it's what's my gift? And then what difference can I make with that gift? And then the last gift you can give is your time and attention. I like to give those gifts to my family. Now, the way I give those gifts to my family is spend time with them and just be there for them. And when that, those things arise, you know, one of the things I have is a, I have a great relationship with my kids because they come and talk to me. And, you know, that's unusual because I'm a, I'm a talker. So talkers are not always known as synonymous as great listeners. I value those relationships so highly that I withhold my gift with them a lot. I don't offer a lot of advice to my kids. I did when they were younger, obviously. But now the season of life they're in, uh, they have a lot on the ball. They're really great people in their own right. And now they come to me and they talk. And I, and I give them the gift of my attention and I really listen. And sometimes I don't give many solutions at all. Just the listening alone was enough. So given your time and attention, you could give time and attention to causes you believe in and things you believe in and places where you can make a difference, okay? A priest and author, Nikki Gumbel, said, the most precious gift you can give someone is the gift of your time and attention. It is. So then you get to, you know, spend time, start with the people you love, and then work your way out from there. I want to share this with you is that I started this podcast with our team here in 2016. It was March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, looking for a bit of good luck. I wanted to share what we'd been doing on stage and in closed environments with people on a broadcast medium that people had no barrier to entry, didn't have to pay anything to be a part of, and that we could just give this gift away, and we've done that. And I want to thank the great staff I have here with the podcast, the great staff I have at Buffini Company and the coaching and training people. And I want to thank you, the listeners, because uh, because of you, I get to give this gift away and, and, and do it on a regular basis. And maybe maybe you've been blessed by this podcast. And if you have, maybe the gift you give this year is a referral to go and listen to It's a Good Life or share your favorite episode with somebody who maybe over the holidays you find out someone who had a need. Maybe they need a bit of encouragement or maybe they need a bit of financial help or whatever it is. Like the Magi, my, my gift next year will be to kind of bring you these gifts. I'm hoping that uh, with our team, we can bring you the gift of uh, economic well-being like that gold, peace and beauty, like that frankincense, and then the gift of health, like that mirror. We'll be trying to bring gifts uh, along. We'll be bringing guests on those subjects. We'll be bringing people. The goal is to bless you. It's a blessing to do this work. I'm very thankful to have you as the audience. I wish you a happy Christmas, as we say in Ireland, a prosperous new year, and uh, an Irish blessing. And this holiday season, from someone who's been a gift to me my whole life, Therese Buffini. She's uh, enjoying her 93rd Christmas, and she's a gift where she is right now. She's blessing the people she's with. She's helping people learn how to paint. She's an inspiration to the people around her in a care home, and it's a remarkable thing. And she's going to send us all off here. I I do wish you a happy Christmas. I hope you've had a great holiday, and I hope you have a great uh, time for yourself and your family and your loved ones. And thanks for being a member of this audience. Here's Therese. 
May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.